Welcome to Dead Pilot Society, the show that takes comedy pilots from A-list writers that were sold and developed at networks and streamers but never produced, and gives them the table reads they never got a chance to have. I'm Andrew Reich, the creator and host of Dead Pilot Society. I'm recording this about a little less than 48 hours since we learned that there was a tentative agreement to end the writer's strike. I'm waiting to see the details of the actual deal, which we haven't been sent yet, but the fact that the Guild Negotiating Committee was excited about it is pretty much good enough for me. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling really good. Uh, but there are, you know, there's some complex emotions. The, the strike was a break from so much of what I don't like about the television writing business. Look, you know, um, all writers are insecure. I really... I've talked to a lot of writers, I've met lots of writers. I really don't know of any exceptions to that to, to that rule. It's probably true of all actors as well. It, it might be universally true of people in general. All I know, it's definitely true of all writers. So in that way, we're all the same. The difference comes in how we deal with the insecurity. And too often, it comes out as competitiveness and bragging and jealousy. There's a zero-sum mentality that tends to dominate among writers and I really hate that you know the idea that someone else's success is my loss the industry breeds that attitude uh, but during the strike a lot of that really went away you know in the first couple of weeks I had to put up with you know there were people talking about all the incredible projects they were right in the middle of and the shows they had and right when the strike hit, but that kind of faded. And there was a true sense of community that was pretty beautiful. I mean, this podcast has always been partly my way of fighting against the zero-sum mentality and that front of absolute success that people feel expected to put forward. Everyone who comes on this show has to be at least a little bit vulnerable. We all tried and our shows didn't get on the air. But that's how it works so much of the time. You know, let's not hide that. It doesn't help anyone. It hurts everyone. So I am absolutely thrilled there's a deal. I hope it's a great deal. We all want to get back to work. So many people have been hurt by this strike. I just hope that we manage to carry with us some of the sense of brotherhood and sisterhood that we found on the picket lines. This is the after show for Pretty, written by Lindsay Craft with a story by Santina Muha, Lindsay Craft, and Andrew Leeds. I love doing this interview. You know, Santina gave me in this interview a really new perspective about why hiring disabled writers is not just the right thing to do, it's the smart thing to do. You really need to, to listen to this. These are just three wonderful people who got together to write a show that's sweet and funny, but that they also wrote with a greater purpose. I wish it had gotten on. I know Santina will go on to great things. Maybe she'll make it to The View. It would not shock me. I definitely, definitely listen to this one. Here's my interview with Santina, Lindsay, and Andrew after a brief message. Hi, uh, this is Lori Kilmartin. And I'm Jackie Cation. And we have a podcast called The Jackie and Lori Show on Max Fun. And it's very exciting because what do we talk about? Comedy. Stand up comedy. We both do stand up comedy and have since the dawn of well, Christ. Well, Jackie. Is that offensive? It is offensive to me because you've aged me. <laughs> Uh, we started in the late 80s, and we're still here. You can't kill us. So go to the Jackie and Lori Show on Max Fun and listen to that. The Jackie and Lori Show. New episodes Monday, only on MaximumFun.org. Team Pretty, it's uh, it's great to, to have you all here. Um, obviously, Lindsay and Andrew have already done an episode of of the podcast in which we did some some deep background on the two of you but uh santina can we talk a little bit about your journey to comedy like how yeah. you tell it so yeah tell me tell me the story well i was you... born funny <laughs> but uh, i really honed my skills i think no i but i really did hone my my comedy skills after my accident i think because I was um, about six years old when I got into my accident. So, I mean, really, 
let's just be honest. There's nothing. It's very sad. A little cute little girl in a wheelchair. It's just, that's just sad. Like it just <laughs> sad. And um, so when people would, adults would look at me, they would look sad. And, and I'm like, oh my God, I am evoking such sadness in people. And I hate that, you know, um, it doesn't have to be sad, by the way. It just is. That's just what our society has made it out to be because I wasn't sad. I was not sad, but people were sad when they looked at me. And so I felt like even at six years old, it was my responsibility to make all the adults in the room feel better. Kids weren't sad when they looked at me. They thought it was so cool. What is that? Let me try. Can I try mom, please? But kids <laughs> thought it was cool. But the adults were like, oh, poor girl. Oh, she had such a life ahead of her. But I still had a life ahead of me. Hello, I'm in that life right now. So, <laughs> I, um, and so I just very naturally learned that if I cracked a joke or said something, you know, kind of funny or cute or sarcastic, I'm from Jersey. So sarcasm mm -hmm. is something that we learn very quickly and naturally. Um, I learned if I did that, then the people would laugh and then they'd sort of be okay with my situation. And that's just something I've had to do basically my entire life. Wow. Yeah. And, and at what point did you sort of realize like, oh, this could be a career path and not just something I do to make daily life less uncomfortable? Uh, probably when I started working out of college for a nonprofit organization and I was bored to death. Like it was a great it was great. It was for the, you know, the National Spinal Cord Injury Association, which is, is now uh, something else. But God love, you know love them for everything that they do. But like, I was just like, Oh my God, I can't talk about wheelchairs anymore. <laughs> uh, you know, like it just, it was like too much and it's okay to talk about that. And I still do infuse that into my comedy and into my writing, but it was just like so serious. And so, I mean, it was like, not my brand of advocacy, you know, like I am not the person even now <laughs> with these strikes going on, I'm not really out there on the lines. I've decided to strike by going to New Jersey for the summer <laughs> and not acting. So that's my strike. So, um, <laughs> no, but I mean, like, you know, I've just never been, I, I'll donate, I'll do things. But like, for me, I've, I've learned like that when I would do comedy, when I would do sort of like little videos, once like YouTube started coming around or whatever, like I would do little, little videos or little comedy skits. We called it at the time. Now you have to say sketches. <laughs> it doesn't matter really but um we would do that and um and i figured i found that if i wrote an article for the national spinal cord injury association let's say about accessible bathrooms i was preaching to the choir if i did a little bit about it in a stand-up act people would come up to me for for still to this day for years. Oh my God, I still won't use a handicapped stall ever since I saw your comedy. So I'm like, oh, wow. I'm like, I'm not preaching to the choir with my comedy. I'm actually reaching people that maybe wouldn't look for this information and I can do it in a funny way. And sort of like, I always say, hide the vegetables in the brownies, you know, like trick people into learning. Cause I think the people that need to learn this stuff are not the people who are seeking it out, right? Like the the most ignorant among us are not like watching TED Talks. They're not go, like hiring DEI consultants. They don't even know what that is, right? So uh, I appreciate all those people for, for like wanting to better themselves. But I also feel like we need to reach the people who aren't really interested in that because sometimes all it takes is a little exposure or just a little aha moment or just like, you know, that scene that we have in the script with um, Lindsay putting my wheelchair in the car is very sort of true. It's like people like catching an Uber or Lyft is a nightmare for me because people see me and they're like, <gasps> they think like <laughs> they have to, you know, carry an egg around all day and not break it. Like it's like that level of like, how am I going to do this? I don't want to break her. And I have to make them feel okay. And I have to, another example of me having to make a joke right off the bat and make everybody comfortable, you know? So I found that just by sort of living my life comedically, I was reaching people that way. And I'm like, oh, wow. Well, if I can make the world a little bit better and have fun and do what I want, why wouldn't I just put those two things together? It's so much more fun. I also and, feel like you are just, you were born funny though. Let's just be honest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Well, my, you know, like I said, I feel like people from New Jersey do have a little bit of like a sarcasm, a little bit of like, blah, blah, blah. and um, I think that that like serves me. And I, especially now that I've lived in LA for 10 years, I've really learned to lean into the Jersey because it is a character. It really is. Yeah. 
I feel like, you know, so much of the, of the show came from, you know, our, our on mine and Santina's honesty with each other about her situation. And, you know, I think I had a lot of shame around not knowing what it was like to know someone in a wheelchair. And so like, she would just sort of like teach me things and was very open. It, it she didn't like block me out. It was sort of just like, we became friends. And then it was just like, it was very natural. I would just like learn things, but I would be embarrassed at first. Like I was terrified. I was like, there's no way. I mean, that scene about Melody putting that wheelchair and I was like, there's no way I will ever be able to break down that wheelchair. Like, I don't even know what's about to happen. Like I, like, I always thought it was like magic that she got from the wheelchair into her car. I was like, I've never see, seen it happen. I was like, I don't even know, like, is she flying in there? Like, I don't know. Um, and so we sort of just like, once we broke that seal of like feeling uncomfortable, it was like, we, it was just every time I was with her, I would just see the craziest things. I was just like, oh my God, like this is, we would, you know, wait outside of a restaurant because there would be a couple of steps and they'd be like, oh, we're going to open up the kitchen. And then it would just be like us, like hanging out on the sidewalk of this and no one's really saying anything. And then Santina just very used to it because it's like, oh yeah, this is the whole thing. They say there is someone, they have to ask someone to ask someone to clear the kitchen to come. And it's like, God, I mean, get it together, you know? <laughs> and so it was just really eye-opening for me. And um, every time I, it's, it's, it's so crazy. Every time I walk down a sidewalk now in LA, I'm like, oh, she can't go down the sidewalk. Like the, the sidewalks are mm -hmm. so messed up and it never would have ever occurred to me. Never would have ever, yeah. It's just like you well, walk down the sidewalk. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like I have been able to reach people one on one my entire life. Like I know everybody I've gone to elementary school with is very aware of accessibility forever. And, you know, the friends I made in L.A. and one on one, I can do it. But I'm just like desperate for a bigger platform mm -hmm. because I know what I can do one on one. And I know that if I were able to do it on television or, you know, like on stage, I'm able to reach a couple of maybe a hundred or, you know, 20 or 30 people at a time. But like, just think what I could do on TV. Um, I just, I'm desperate for that platform. I just am. But I mean, it's not like something you could just go get at the store. You got, someone has to give it to you. You, you know what I mean? That is sort of what also, I mean, what's, uh, now that you're saying that, it's also is what the, what the pilot or what the show is about is about her wanting, you know, her feeling like she has this something to, to, to give, to give, to bring to, yeah. to the world. world. And, you know, in the show, she wants to be a talk show host, which I think was something you really did want to do. I do. Yeah. 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 I would love to be on like the view or something like that, where people are just seeing you know a real person who lived their life is living their life in a wheelchair and has opinions some related to the injury and some not like when i talk about the bachelor i'm not like well as a girl in a wheelchair i really think <laughs> i mean who cares you know like it doesn't always factor in but sometimes it does and i think that that's interesting to see the levels you know there's just never any nuance when it comes to disability and i hate that mm. From so many people, it would seem totally delusional, but I could totally see you on the View. Like you would be, you you, you would be amazing on the View. I, yeah, why? I think the whole show is sitting and talking. My yeah. two things I do the best. <laughs> you will be if you if that's what you want, guaranteed. I I don't know who to. I know that Joy Bayar is getting older, and I feel like I would certainly fill that chair well. Oh my God! Yes. Right. I yes. feel like I'd be the perfect. I mean, I love Joy, so there's. No, I'm not trying to replace her. <laughs> if she, when she's ready, I would love to, you know. But I mean, look, I don't know. Does she listen to this, Joy? <laughs> of course, of course she does. Of course she does. Um, so, did you guys meet it at at Upright Citizens? Is that where you met her? Yeah. Well, but... we met through like a sort of a bootleg version of it, like a side. Version. There's like, so it's actually really <laughs> difficult to be to get on a UCB team. I mean, it was easier for me to be on a CBS pilot than it was. I never got <laughs> I never got on an actual UCB team. And so I would just be like, that's what I wanted more than being on a TV show. Which I know it's a little crazy, but which was Santina thought it was insane. Yeah, because but, I was on a UCB team and I'm like, uh, do you want to trade? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yes. But being <laughs> on a team was fun and it is a prestige in, in L.A. But I mean, come on, being on a sitcom, that was amazing. When you were, when, when, well, I mean, now we both got to do it, but you were like really, really doing it. And it was so fun to go on set. It was, it was, yeah, it was fun, but there's something about improv that I just loved. And so there was this like 
bootleg version of UCB where teachers are sort of doing this boot camp and it's cheaper. And it's like, I mean, I, we would go, it was every day from 12 to two. I went, and I don't know how I had the time to do that, but it was every day. And it was just that you either were in like the upstairs or the downstairs. Santina was always in the downstairs. It would be actually this like, that was crazy. Like, did you ever do, you've done a couple of shows in upstairs? I right? did, but that was a pain in the ass. But that's one of the instances. See, sometimes being in a wheelchair works in my favor, right? Because um, downstairs was advanced. So I was immediately placed in advance because they couldn't put me upstairs, which was <laughs> great because then I, you know, you got to like kind of keep up. So when you're in around advanced people, you just get better. Uh, I don't know, what, but I would have sucked if it was reversed. Right. Then oh my God. <laughs> Wait. So I, I, she had been in in the boot camp for a long time before I arrived, and I saw her, and I was like, "Who is this like gorgeous girl?" And she's like, she's kind of like friends with everybody. She's so funny, and I was super intimidated. I don't think I, I was like, I don't even know how to talk to her. Like, I don't, I don't even know how to go up to her. Do you remember that? It was ridiculous. Yes, I was so crazy because I, you know, I also thought like this, you, you know, this is like a cool girl who's been in the business she's very like very nice and then she was like treating me like I was I remember when I uh, we exchanged phone numbers she was like I can't believe I'm putting your phone number in my phone right now I'm like what? <laughs> I remember that <laughs> that was crazy I'm like what are you talking about you're cool too <laughs> um yeah so that's sort of how it happened and you know we'd, we'd spend time in the class but then we'd out we'd all sort of hang out after I say it like we were 18 years old. We're like I know. In our 30s doing like. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, but, then, but then what happened? Oh, there? and then um, then we started spending a lot of time together. And then Santina had to go to the hospital. That was sort of like because um, she had an injury that. Um, I mean, I don't know if you want to get into that or whatever it was. Well, whatever, but... It was an infection that put me in the hospital for three months. Mm. And so. Oh. I, I think I went at first. I was like, I should probably go like I'm, I, we weren't that close, but I was like, I feel like I should just go maybe once, you know, and just, so you kept saying, I, I should I should really visit Santina. I should really visit Santina. I was, <laughs> I was like, like I, you should go. Yeah. OK. And so, um, oh, yeah. Remember we had we were going to do that show called You Should Really Visit Santina. Yeah. Um, so if I told you the amount of people that came to visit her, I mean, it is insane. Like she was she would have like. Uh, like 20 visitors a day, it, like in the beginning. And I was like, how am I going to make an impact? <laughs> like, what can I do? And so I went and I was like lucky enough to sort of be, I think that was like the only one there at the time. Maybe people were leaving. And that's when our friendship like started to bloom. You were there for like a long time. You were, I feel like you were there for like three or four hours. I don't know. Yeah. And time. then I just kept, I was just like, well, I guess I should go visit Santina today. I guess yeah, I'll just yeah, go tomorrow yeah. again. I'll just keep going. And yeah. then and then we just started thinking about um, we first started I started thinking about writing a short, you know, and so that's what ended up happening. I thought you were going to write a play first called You Should Really Visit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're just working on a few different ideas because really? Lindsay and I both always have several things yeah. going on in our brains. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so this was kind of hatched during those hospital visits. Yeah, yeah, a version of it, a version of it. And then it sort of, you know, evolves like everything does. Yeah. But that was the first, like, yeah. Because of that time spent together and like just didn't didn't am I wrong? Did did Luke Perry visit you? Yeah. He did. Yeah. Yeah, he was one of the visitors. She was she's like obsessed with that 90210 and with Luke Perry specifically, right? Yeah, he's been my number one forever and ever and ever. And <laughs> he was, I mean, you know, some people you hold like on a pedestal and you're like if you meet them it's like you know that don't meet your heroes i mean if i had this guy at a 10 when i met him he was a 20 he was the best all right wow. how did how did that come about how did he end up coming to see a you? friend of mine had the same manager as him wow. this is like one of the perks of being in the hospital in la because so <laughs> <laughs> nobody ever visited me in jersey um and uh i mean my my psychiatrist, his mom got her hair done by Bon Jovi's mom. That was the closest celebrity connection I had when I was in Jersey. But um, in LA, I actually had Luke Perry come in and sit with me for an hour and we talked and he was an angel. And actually he brought his dog with him who's 
and his dog's name was Angel. And then, um, I know. And then, yeah, and then um, he passed away few, yeah. like, very shortly after that, which was... Ugh. But no wonder, Lindsay, you were intimidated because you're competing with these hospital <laughs> visits know, with, yeah. with Luke Perry and his dog. You know, that's tough. But yet you managed to stand out. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's impressive. Yeah. And then was the process of sort of developing this? I mean, it sounds like it was you guys started to hang out um, and you started to just sort of experience Sandy, Santina's like day to day life and then were you just sort of accumulating things and thinking like okay that could be a scene that could be a beat you know yeah there was sort of like an idea that I had that was like the the ultimate thing which was like um the, the way it was sort of built the the short was built around that moment where she has to get down the stairwell mm -hmm. um after the date and um sort of kind of worked backwards from there in my brain for the short and then um because i just like i was just sort of obsessed with that idea of just like how is she what is she going to do here like what is you know um and thing everything sort of leading up to that and then you know there were there was a strong presence of i of i forget i mean there were different characters in the short it wasn't you know the same it was i don't even think her mom was more much more prominent in the short. well you had also met her mom and you and she's such, such a good character too. oh my god She's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she is. She kind of fell she, She's not what she, people expect, you know, from a mother of a person in a wheelchair, blah, blah, blah. You know, people have all these expectations and thoughts, but she really is just like a Jersey kind of a mom. And it's very funny. That our dynamic is, is funny because she does not baby me at all. She does not, you know. And so I really, I, I feel like I get a lot of my... I know toughness isn't a word, but my that from Moxie, yeah, from the relationship that I had with her because she never, like, she still to this day. I mean, she's the opposite of babies, me. Yeah. Wow. Mm. Yeah. Was the short actually shot, or is this mm -hmm. something you just wrote? Okay. No, we were gonna shoot it, and then that's sort of how it happened. And then I I shared it with um, my agent, who also represents one of the producers, and. Um, we sort of like had a meeting with her and her company and it was immediately like i want to make this a t television show and it was kind of like i think we were both like i mean at first it was like i i really wanted to make the short i originally wanted to direct it that was what was in my head like the whole time but then that just like slipped away and then just this offer to like make it a tv show was like we sort of couldn't refuse and then that's when everything sort of shifted and started writing it who, yeah, what was the production company? Hmm? What was, was the Kelly production Cuoco. company? Kelly Cuoco's kind of so Kelly, Kelly Cuoco, Cuoco. She it was like literally the beginning of her production company, and she she had a call. I think she had the flight attendant maybe in development by then, uh, but they nothing. She hadn't made anything at that point, and uh, and they read the short, and I think they just you know then they met Santina, and I think they were just like I mean this is you know I mean Santina's is great in a room, <laughs> like <laughs> you know like and 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 then from there. There was a meeting, I think, with Warner Brothers, and it was like, you know, the head of Warner Brothers in there, and I think it, they were just dazzled by Santina and just like, what, do, we'll, whatever you guys want to do, we'll, you know, we'll do it. The the strange part about the process of it was that the short was a hundred percent more, much more tonally in line with. I mean, now this is what, like five years ago, five six years ago, was much more tonally in line with something you would find on a cable or a streaming place, and um, and it sold to CBS. And so there was a, a, at least I think for, I think for all of us, a bit of an adjustment of like, wait, what do you mean? You guys, you guys all read the short, like, what do you mean? This is not going to work here. <laughs> like, you know, um, we didn't, and, and in retrospect, I, I, I now see it. I personally now see it as hard as it was to accept at the time. And after reading it on the podcast, I was like, Oh, I get, I get it. I get, I get now what what they were what they wanted from from the show, and I think what was delivered, um, which was something that would work on their network, and I think actually has a really nice energy and tone to it. Um, it just was a, an adjustment. Uh, it would have worked well the other way. Too. You know, the the show can be yeah. adjusted. I think, like the premise, can adjusted. 
you know, there was definitely topics, certain topics that I was thinking about, uh, episode ideas when we were thinking of cable streaming. And then once it, once we kind of moved to network, I was like, okay, okay. And then I sort of like put on my like network colored glasses and I was like, okay, let's brighten this up and, you know, paste this up or whatever. Um, but you know, that's the nature of the, the, the beast you sort of learn on the job. I mean, that was my first, that it all moved so fast. That was the first show I ever pitched, which I didn't even know I was going to be doing. We didn't, and it wasn't it was even what in so, the room. And I'm like, what, what are we doing? You know, <laughs> so fast. Yeah. There were a lot of lessons to be learned. I think, you know, I think we were just so excited that it was mm-hmm. just like, okay, let's go. But I think we, I think we really wanted to make that short, you know, and. Well, the other yeah. thing, the other thing was that, that, uh, this is somebody's personal, this is somebody's life, right? This is not just like uh, a random idea. This is literally her life, her playing herself. So there's also this other element of like getting notes about somebody's life. I yeah. will say actually though, that I what I, I was really impressed by was Santina's ability to to adjust, to be like, okay, well, you know, I think we sh- Lindsay and I were more like, no, we can't do that. That's not how it happened. And Santi would be like, no, no, you can do it like this. Like she was always really good at coming in and actually being sort of, I feel like the most clear headed of being like, let's do this instead. What about this? What about this? At uh, this, you know, I, I felt like, I felt like that was like a really impressive thing. I've written stuff about myself before. And I think that that is a difficult thing to do. And I feel like she was very able to, you know, well, thank you. I think that that also comes from, you know, living my life with this, a disability is if you can't adapt, you can't do anything. You yeah. just, you know, I have to adapt to my surroundings or, you know, whatever every day. And so I am just naturally, I, I, my, you know, brain processes adaptation very quickly. to be able to adapt from streaming to network with not, no problems at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I'll say that, um, it was a little bit in the beginning, a little like, like, no, that's not how my mom would say it. No, that's not what, I, but the further away it got from my life, the more I was like, okay, that's fine by me. Because now it's like, well, this isn't even my, my story anymore. So now I still have my story. I can still take my story and make a movie or make totally. a movie or make a film or make a series for streaming down the line, you know, whatever. Let's, let's just do this because there's no way in my any world I would have been like, no, I don't want to star yeah. on a TV show on network television. Yeah, okay. Things yeah. Was, well, go ahead, sorry. No, I was saying, I like, I don't think I realized that until actually I'm writing a musical right now that is like, could be this big thing and we're writing it together. And it's like, the more it was sort of getting bigger, the less it was becoming, it was like, I I would be so hesitant to like, like let go of things that actually weren't autobiographical. And I was like, well, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. But once I sort of decided, okay, it can exist as two things. It could be a solo show where mm-hmm. I sort of tell my stories and then it could be this other thing. But it made, doing it for myself made me really realize how that must've felt for you. And I'm sorry that I didn't totally realize that, I think at the time. Hmm. Was the, in the yeah. short, was the character called Santina? Was it more, no. no. Oh, so yeah. it was a, Oh, Natalia. Yeah. Okay. So was there, was there, Tina, there's a point for you where it's like, this is a, this is Isabella. This is like a character. This is not. Maybe it was Isabella. Yeah. yeah. Natalie, I thought. Oh, yeah, Natalie. Yeah, there is a point. Yeah. Step, I definitely, uh, that was very important to me. The further we got away from my life, the more important it was for her not to have my name because you know how that is that i mean once yeah. you put your name on it it's very difficult to do anything else yeah, and so tell me a little bit more about how the ways in which the short it sounds like it was just like sort of edgier was it like was was it more sex or like what what was it that oh, made yeah. that more capable streaming it was darker. It, oh, okay. darker yeah it was it had it like literally like I, it it just felt darker like i mean i, I don't know how else to describe it but it was it was much more, um, I guess I would also say cinematic, not as dialogue driven, right? I think there were just sort of more moments of breath in there, I think, mm-hmm. is how I would describe it. She was also, um, she was pursuing being an actor. So there was like acting class stuff, which, you know, uh, I think just felt like kind of grittier and like, in a way, sadder, I guess I would say. <laughs> like, it's, it's sort of sadder to watch someone like, you know, going to like a crappy acting class 
than to like someone who's like, I'm going to be the next Oprah and is, you know, going, you know what I mean? It just has a different uh, energy and vibe to it. Uh, um, and then I think it, it just also just felt, uh, I mean, I hate to use this word, but it did feel like somehow less aspirational, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, I think it, it felt more, I, I think it felt probably a little bit more in a certain sense, real, but, but the, yeah, I think the, the CBS version feels real too. Um, but I think those were sort of the big things uh, in terms of the tone. Uh, it just felt like everybody was struggling a bit more. It mm -hmm. feels like people are struggling in the CBS version, but but Santina is always energy up, always, you know, I'm going to make this happen. Not really doubt, doesn't really doubt herself, or at least that we see, you know, she does internally, but we don't, we don't dwell on it. And I felt like it was a little bit more, she was a little bit more doubtful maybe in that short in certain ways. Does that make sense? And the other characters were a little sadder too. Yeah. It was like everyone was just like <laughs> it was pretty sad, more yeah. real in a way, like of just like kind of like some pathetic people. Like Santina was the most by far like not pathetic person or Natalie the, the lead, but everyone else was like, ooh, they're sorry people. But I also think I also think the other big difference was that it didn't feel like a TV show in certain ways, meaning like it wasn't like we were trying to get a group of people together. Like at the end of the pilot, they're all end up together right. in the same place, you know, you know what I mean? That, that didn't happen in the short because the intention was, was just to set up what to, to shoot the short because we wanted to shoot the short and to set up what we thought could be the uh, sort of just inklings of a show. So somebody could be like, Oh, that's awesome. Like now let's turn it into a show, not actually make a pilot, you know? And we so, wanted to like to go to Sundance, like you know that was sort of right. the goal, like make this cool short, and we probably should still do it. But you know what? I, whatever, right whatever it is, whether it's a sunny sitcom or a you know kind of a darker uh, short, the point really is that you have this character in a wheelchair, and she's not the worst off. Mm -hmm. And right. I think like you see like young good looking people walking around in LA and you're like you're immediately going to feel bad for the one in the wheelchair and then you kind of wait watch for a minute and you're like oh the one in the wheelchair is not the one I should feel bad for here mm -hmm. and that's kind of what we wanted to show however you paint it you know yeah it seems like you know the way we're introduced to her is she's helping someone else yeah, you know, on that plane, and that yeah. seems like that must have been a, a very deliberate. Like this isn't someone who, who's just always in need of help because we're introducing her to you by showing her helping someone else, and that right. just sets right. us off, right? But what I like is that she does need help, right? She asks him to help to push the button, but she doesn't. That doesn't ruin her whole day. She just right. when she needs help, she asks for it. And then she moves on and that's it. And then she, and she also is fulfilled by helping other people that like sort of fills her tank. Right. I guess that's more correct. It's like, we all need help for certain things, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so maybe right. she needs, but it doesn't mean she always needs help. She's capable right. of, of asking for help and giving help it doesn't as we all are. This, this one yeah. time I was leaving the doctor's office and a pregnant woman was leaving at the same time. And we came up to the door at the same time. And we looked at each other like, Oh no! Who is supposed to hold open the door for who in this situation? Like, what is the etiquette here? So you know, it's like that sort of a that it's like a, a moment, and I actually talk about that in my standup. It's like we're all doing the best we can, and we all have circumstances. We're all up, we're all down, whatever, right? So, I just, okay. yeah, no, okay. Well, I just want to say the one thing about the development process that was really difficult was that they they sold it, uh, and I was just sort of there helping and I had been involved with the short, but, but it was that, you know, they went around and they sold it. I wasn't in, in that pro process, except for that. I, they practiced a couple times with me or something, but, um, they, uh, they sold it in, uh, January and then, and they, but the, the network refused to look at a story document until August. And so I think what would have really helped was if they had just said, yeah, like, let's, I mean, now I think they would because things have changed, but at the time it was like, no, this is not what we look at that. We're busy doing other things. They had just looked at a story document. We would have all known how far off we were. Right. And so we could have then taken that time to really absorb it and adjust. Instead, the story document got turned in August and they were like, this is not at all what we want. And then it was like, 
it it it, it was tough. So that was that was, that was a bit that wasn't great on 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 their part. <laughs> well, it goes through just so many different subjective hands. Yeah. And then one person says this one. Sometimes you cannot do to the same. The, uh, sometimes you cannot address both notes. The notes it's are contradictory all the time. Yes. Yeah. So you realize why I say you learn on the job because you're like, this is not something that you people understand. You know, like my family members, they don't know what, or people aren't in this business. They have no, I still, I mean, I, I learned a lot from it, but mm-hmm. if I went through it again, I'm sure I would learn even more because it's, there's no one path. Yeah. I've done it like 25, 30 times and I still haven't figured it out. Like it's right. just, it's just, um, can you give me an example of something that was in that original story document where the, with the, that they were like, mm, this is not what we we want? Well, there, I mean, there were a lot of things. There were, <laughs> there, there were a lot of things, but I mean, I think it was just like the, um, uh, I think in the original story document, there were definitely other care. I mean, there was, we also, Michelle Nader was brought on board to sort of supervise. We've known her for years and we love her and, um, uh, it got, you know, as, as I don't know if you've ever supervised anyone before. Oh yeah. Yeah. But it can also get to be a tricky dynamic because suddenly they've, if they start to doubt that you can handle it, they'll just ask this, you know, the supervisor to do it. And then it's with supervisor doesn't really want to do it. They don't want to step on toes, but it's also their job and it's, it gets to be tough. So I think like right away, they were just like the network, I I don't even know how this exactly came to be, but there was a character that that was being written for somebody that we know and love. This great actor, Tim Bagley, uh, mm-hmm. sure you know, we, yeah. we just adore him. And he was a co-worker of, of Santina's at the Sephora where she works. And somehow, somehow we got a note that it should be a, a drag queen. Uh, it just like a younger drag queen. It was just like a random you know, I, we don't even know. We don't really even know why. <laughs> so that's what. Well, it you know, the mom character <laughs> sort of got cut because, again, yeah. it was like no younger. Like they really wanted a, a, a much younger uh, yeah. cast in general. So anybody that we had that was sort of older got aged down or cut pretty or like cut down a lot. I thought. And I think they also potentially. I think like we already. I think we. I, I feel like the story document. Oh, I think it may have. I'm trying to remember now, but I I, I do feel like her uh, Kenny, her ex boyfriend. I'm not sure he had like moved out here. I'm not sure exactly how that all went, but there were definitely like a lot of adjustments that sort of made it more like a pilot. You know that. Uh, yeah, that like, there was a reason for Kenny to stay at the end. You know. Oh yeah, that the, there were. I I can't. Remember. It's been so long. But now. then there are some just like some notes. I was thinking about like how we sort of jam-packed that first scene and I'm really proud of it because it was like I never thought we'd be able to get out why she was why she was moving to Los Angeles that she's uses a wheelchair that you know to just kind of do all the things and to show that she's this inspirational person it was like a miracle that that scene came together because it's like and I you know we wouldn't have done that had we not gotten that note from the network to say like establish it you know so sometimes right. yeah. like those notes that feel crazy are sometimes like really valuable. Yeah, well, yeah, that's I mean exposition. Really yeah, I mean exposition in a pilot's the, is the hardest thing, and you do you know, there's a there's a lot of exposition that's really well and elegantly conveyed in that opening scene. So that like makes sense as a note. Make a character a drag queen is just a very strange kind of note to give because it's it's not usually you're not usually told so affirmatively something like that it's just like oh we don't like this character can you do something different and there's like subtle suggestions but just like <laughs> like that's just a strange thing for them to have said <laughs> yeah i don't to be honest i don't even remember it that specifically i don't I, the whole thing was just I barely, there's so many, I'm glad that they're here because I couldn't answer some of these questions. Right. No, it becomes I a blur. No, I, I, I remember that because I believe, and in fact, I believe that when that note was given, it was like, it was the story document had at that point, they, they sort of said, Hey, Michelle, will you take a quick pass at it and make this character a drag queen? And so when we got the story <laughs> document back, it was like, I guess that's a drag queen now. <laughs> yeah. At first it was like, really, I was just like, 
I, I don't I don't know how to write this character. I don't know what was <laughs> I, I like not that there's anything wrong with it, but I was like, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> doesn't totally seem like it's part of the story. Um, uh, it seems like this is about um, Isabella, you know, yeah. I don't know why. I, yeah, I don't get it. Um, but yeah, I've, there, I mean, there were it was, I think, pretty drastically different. I don't really remember exactly, but I do remember that it did go through it even after that. I, even after that first story, second story document, there were definitely a lot of like, I think one thing that we also really have to learn, I, I feel like I have learned this over and over again, is that there's never enough room in a pilot and you always think you don't have enough. And the truth is you have mm -hmm. way too much. Yeah. And so it took a little while to sort of, I think, let go of things and be like, oh, it, it just needs to be simpler. Even even the pilot as it is, is too long, you know? Um, I would just want to say one thing. So after that reading that we did of the on this fabulous show, I was just <laughs> like, gosh, like Santina needs to be the star of a television yeah, show. Amazing. And like, how do we get this to be something again? You know, and I, I was just so like amazed at like, I mean, I'm, I'm always just amazed by her, but that her voice needs to be in the world and on a television show and on something like this, that I'm just like frustrated to see how many things get on television that are not important, not funny. And I, you know, it's really <laughs> devastating to me. Greatest Trek is the podcast for all your modern Star Trek needs. It's funny, informative, and now it's also timely. That's because every Friday, right after the release of a new episode of Strange New Worlds, Picard, Lower Decks, Discovery, or Prodigy, we bring you a review of that episode. There's some great new Star Trek coming up, and we're going to cover all of it. You'll like our show because we're both former video producers, so we bring a lot of insight into the production and filmmaking aspects to these episodes. And we also have a very refined sense of humor, so we make lots of delightful fart jokes along the way. So come see why Greatest Trek is one of the most popular television recap podcasts on all of the internet. Subscribe to Greatest Trek at MaximumFun.org or in the podcast app you're using right now. I mean, are there examples... I mean, Santina, what do you what do you think Hollywood m most often gets wrong about people with disabilities is part one of the question. <laughs> and then I was going to ask if you think there are examples where they've where Hollywood has sort of gotten it right. Hmm. Well, I'll say one. I feel like over in the UK, they get it right more than we do. Um, I think. Uh, Notting Hill is a pretty good example because the mm. sister is in a wheelchair or the, you know, his sister-in-law is in a wheelchair. And um, it's really, there's things about it that aren't, I don't love. Like the fact that they live in a two-story house and he has to carry her up the stairs every night for bed. And I'm like, no, but, <laughs> but I do like how they sort of, it, it's not about her. The movie's not about her, but she is a, you know, equally important character as all the other side characters. And then I like when they use her disability to sort of get through the airport because that's like a fun, funny, organic way to use it. So that I like, like, let's like, you know, incorporate it when it needs to be and then not when it doesn't need to be. I think that that's that's something that um, there's more, and there's just more actors in England um, in wheelchairs, just more shows. I mean, I don't know. I don't even watch that much British television, but this is what I've heard from just being around um here, <laughs> yeah well just from being i guess in an actor in a wheelchair you know, oh, being, oh, gotcha. in the disability community and being in the got it, got it. actor you know yeah, entertainment yeah. community and so um that's sort of where they're getting it and i might do see some more characters popping up here and there you know of characters who have disabilities sort of just being on the side or whatever but i'm still not seeing enough um you know, like, well, let me ask you this. Name for me three actors in wheelchairs. <laughs> don't, besides me. I can name one. I can name one, but I can't even name. I don't know if I know his name. No, I know. So it's a different one. Ali Stoker. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, Ali Stroker. Oh, Stroker. His Stroker? So, okay. So... Do you see what I'm saying? Well, who's there's there's that one guy, right? That one, uh, that yeah, there's, there's that one guy, but do you see what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> That's the whole point. That's the whole point. Like, you know, and diversity is so important, and I'm so happy that everyone's you know, uh, we're fighting for it and working for it. But I feel like if you go through different demographics, 
we're starting to see at least some household names popping up. And I just can't say the same for the disability community, like at all. And that's a huge problem. I think that's a huge problem. And you shouldn't have, and Ali has won a Tony and. And she wouldn't even have that platform had the Glee project not existed. I mean, that, you know, that wouldn't have happened. And I mean, she's incredible and only still one person in here could have, could name, you know what I mean? So it's just like, that's, it's really sad. That's just sad. Like really zero. We're, we're, and we're all in the industry. It's not like I just plucked you off the street. This isn't Billy on the street. Well, right? you, always, you always talk about how, or you have talked about how when you go to an audition, right? It'll be, you know, the, the, if she's in a waiting room and it's eight people in a wheelchair, it's like a 85 year old man and a 12 year old, you know, Asian boy. And like, it's like that the only thing they have in common girl. is that they're in a wheelchair versus yeah. And I'm like, what is the part? What are we doing? <laughs> what is this? So, I mean, we need to get just, and I think that accessibility on sets is also an issue when I am on set, I've found. And actually, you know, what's funny, our, um, the, Michelle, who we worked with, she sort of uh, created a part after working with us on Pretty, she created a part for um, a a girl from New Jersey in a wheelchair. When I got this audition, I was like, uh, this sounds like me. And then when I saw who the the showrunner was, I'm like, oh wait, is this for me? And so, you know, I went through and I did the audition and I got this really cool part on another show. So that was great. But like, I have to really prove myself. And then it's like backwards. Like when I was on um, another sitcom, same thing. It's like they wrote a part and then sort of for me. So that's great that I get to do that. But like, I don't know. This is what I'm saying. There's, it's just like. I mean, the amount of times, I mean, I'm like obviously such an advocate for Santina, but like always telling casting directors, bring Santina in for like this part. That like, has nothing to do, do with the wheelchair. And so they, they were like, the amount of times people respond like, oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. They just don't think about it. They just don't think of it. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not, it's so foreign to them and hopefully they start to think of it. One thing I'll, I just also w- want to say that was interesting about the process of the, of the pilot was that Santina, Santina would frequently point out, you know, there are certain, certain things that are specific to Santina, right? Santina is not every, everybody in a wheelchair isn't going through the exact same thing. Right. So, um, but there are t- so there are times when it's like you know where she might be like this happens to me but this is like this is I- i'm th- the majority of people this doesn't happen to so do we want to do we want to represent that or do we want to represent what really does happen and you know to most people so i thought that was sort of an interesting you know sort of thing to figure out like are you do you want to just tell the specific specific story or do you want it to apply to you know a bigger group. Yeah, I mean, it's like how Ellen didn't represent every lesbian or, you oh. know, it's that, it's that old thing uh, yeah. where when you're sort of the only one or, a, a, you know, one of a small number, you feel like weird extra pressure to represent this entire group of people who you've never even met all of them. <laughs> how can you do that? <laughs> and yeah, I feel like the specific ends up being the universal even if yeah. it seems like it's uh-huh. not you know even but, if someone's like oh i can't relate to that but yet somehow it's still if it is specific and true it will end up it seems like that's your job is not to like mm-hmm. you know it seems like going forward it's just like if it really is specific and true to you put that in even if it feels like but this probably doesn't apply to that many people it's right. sort of mm-hmm. it will on some level people sense the authenticity of it totally um the more you do this you learn that because yeah. it yeah. seems counterintuitive but you're absolutely right so there's been such you know the uh you know billboards and signs saying you know there is no diversity without disability and then these signs that say hire you know disabled writers not just you know uh diversity consultants or just you know um maybe it's because of my office is at the farmer's market at the grove and those signs are just those those higher disabled writers not just you know disability consultants or whatever have been so 
uh, visible even during the strike, like months into the strike. I'm like, no one's hiring any writers right right now. It seems like if you know if there's money being paid for these signs, it's like really this is not the time. Is that you know? But but I've been impressed by the visibility of those messages. I have no idea um, how well they're working or. And I'm just. Are you involved in whatever like group is? responsible for those messages getting out there Santina um I mean I know definitely people who are involved in you know that part of the the fight which is so great and appreciated and um you know it is important to sort of yeah it's important to get to have I mean anything that you're working on if it's dealing with a certain type of experience you need the person who's lived that experience in the room Right. You just do. And um, I wish there were more disabled writers, not only because they can write dis- disabled stories, but like I said, for example, I'm good at adapting because I'm in a wheelchair. So mm-hmm. someone with a disability, they have a brain that can adapt maybe quicker than someone who isn't. Whether it has to do with disability or not, you know, they'll just maybe be able to think of another way to do something faster than someone else because that's just how their brain has, has you know, been forced to work uh, all their lives. And I that's think an incredible it, point. I mean, I just want to like, like that is just yeah. something that would not have occurred to me before this conversation. But is like, as you're talking about, like for, for people, you know, without disabilities like a note from a network can fucking knock us like (laughs) can ruin our week you know like because probably because we're not as used to adjust to having to Mm. to regularly adjust so so you saying that is just like such an important message to get out there in terms of what someone can bring a disabled writer can bring to a writer's room beyond like oh okay here's a scene with a disabled character you know you're up like like that was your turn to shine no not absolutely not you should have seen the disabled community during covid when everybody was scrambling around (laughs) (laughs) we were all watching on zoom like (laughs) because this was our this is like and the fact that even zoom was uh, created or you know things were created now that catered to people who couldn't leave their house we were like oh now now you now you don't have to go to class to get the lesson now you don't have to i mean really so it's like but rather than be upset about it we just have to roll take what we can get but like i've seen like um people want to make the sidewalks accessible now because of these like lime or bird scooters and they're like we have to make the street the sidewalks flatter for the scooters and i'm like yeah for the scooters god i don't care why you do it just do it so you know <laughs> it's like i think that somebody yeah people with disabilities can bring ideas to the table like zoom we we could have told you that years ago but nobody was listening so it's true it's like it's like every day you're getting network notes and 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 you don't have a choice you don't have a choice like they're like you're not going to be able to go over there right now and you're like you can't say well no i want to go over there you just got to be like all right i got to find another way you know so find another way find another way it should have been my middle name i mean that's like every every day whether i'm going to the beach whether i'm going to a, a restaurant whether i'm going to like a tattoo parlor whatever it is if there's a step if there's a skinny door whatever it is find another way and that's it i think by the way that's that step thing was so important at the beginning of all this it was just like a single step a single step can completely stop her you know and there's that that just you just never you just don't think about these things you know ever yeah i I should say like the most moving line to me the one that really is when kenny says "I, i always knew when there would be stairs and it's just like it's you know it's such a beautiful thing this character who you kind of is like kind of a dope or whatever but he's like he was on the wavelength where he was thinking he had learned to think about those those yeah. things. and it's like what you're saying Lindsay like you know and Andrew like you now see the world in a different way and it does seem like you know there's a bit of progress as humans where like the circle of empathy <laughs> hopefully expands right that, that there's you know over years whatever we start to think about different groups of people and empathize and then there's a segment of the population that is very resistant 
to that and is fighting against that, you know, whatever. Yeah. Anti-woke means what? Anti-empathy, because wokeness is just means empathy for for other groups. And it does seem like, okay, we're not there yet with the disabled community. And what you're saying is it just, it doesn't take much to get, to get these thoughts in your head and to start seeing the world in in this way. And like, oh, maybe I won't use that you know, handicapped bathroom, you know, stall, like, right. because you might actually need it. Yeah, I think one of the issues, for me anyway, with the woke movement is that some of it is can be, you know, performative. And I think sometimes people spend too much time on the the correct language to use, right. or whatever, and not on fixing the actual problems, like they want to appear woke, or whatever. But then what are you actually doing? And that's like a huge difference for me. It's the difference between someone who says, you know, um, I'm so sorry you can't come to my events because, you know, it's not, um, uh, we, this, um, and you can see they're nervous, they don't know what to say. <laughs> Whereas for somebody who's just sort of maybe a little rougher and is like, Oh, uh, let me carry you up the stairs. I know you're handicapped, but, but, but and it's like, okay, maybe that person was a little rougher, but they're getting me in the door. So oh. I don't know, like, which one is better. I mean, I don't know. It's not like to me. I'd rather us focus more on really like actions and not the words. Yeah. I think right. Ripped up I on that. Like, I feel like um whenever like we were going out anywhere, if I were to call ahead and say, oh, my friend's in a wheelchair, it was like, oh, they anyone like wants to help, like for the most part, and they're really happy to know that they're ready for it. So I think there's something to like, you know, I mean, of course, there's gonna be times where people don't know she's going somewhere, but um, it, it does feel like when people are alerted of it, they want to be helpful. Yeah, but I will say that that's why it's so important for, you know, people who are able-bodied to speak up because Lindsay gets a very different reaction than I do. Because when I call and I say I need, you know, access, it's sort of like, uh, you know, I don't always get such a warm reception. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, sometimes it, for me, it can sound like complaining. Whereas from someone, you know, if a group of people walk in and they're like, there's no ramp, then it's like, oh, we're doing something wrong. People are noticing. But if I go in and say there's no ramp, there's like, well, sorry, but go to a place that has a ramp. You know what I mean? So it is very, very important for people to speak up on behalf of other demographics. I mean, and I, you know, I do it. I do it if I see injustice for something else. I will definitely speak up whenever I can. Uh, and I hope, I would hope people are doing the same. But and I think that they would if they could or they if they knew, but like, like we've said before, I don't think sometimes that they realize what's going on. Like how many times I've told people, oh, I can't go to that restaurant because the bathroom's not accessible. And it's like, oh my God, I never know. I've been there 10 times and I've never noticed, you know? It's so funny, I, I, this is just occurring to me. I feel like at least once a week we go somewhere where, where she goes, oh, see, Santino wouldn't be able to come here. Like it's so, <laughs> it's so interesting. It's like, it really like it has, it be, it's become a part of her like thinking. I remember when we moved into our place actually, she was like, Oh, she actually, because we have stairs in the front. But you can get back through the but, back. But she was like, oh, but where, if Santina comes over, and I was like, and so we asked, and they were like, oh, but you can go, and there's a thing in the back, to, you know. But yeah, it is interesting how, how yeah, once you're, if you're, in, if you're engaged with it in any way, or you, you know, then you do start to think about that. And then when you do open up your restaurant, you know, you might be like, oh, hey, we got to, you know. It's just like learning when you, when you know more languages, like you, you're just a, a smarter person in the world because you can understand other people. So it's just really just about letting people know about it. I mean, that's why it's just so important to just like, yeah, the more people know, the the better the world will be. I highly recommend, by the way, if you haven't, um, Santina made a really, really amazing music video a, a few years ago. That's super, super funny. I highly recommend Okay, it. I don't it's know called it. called Ass Level, if you want to. <laughs> okay. Can we maybe we'll put a link in the uh, in the show notes? Okay. People can I do I do think it's important to um, incorporate sort of like relatability for anything. Like that's always important to me. I don't want someone to see my story and be and feel um, isolated or alienated because they don't know anybody in a wheelchair. 
uh, I want them to, you know, like it really, when I do stand up and someone comes up to me and says, you know, um, I was, you know, closeted in middle school. And I remember feeling the same way you described when such and such happened. And I'm just like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, I'm happy that we can connect because it's like my therapist always says the situation may be different, but the feeling is the same. And I just like love that. That's probably my favorite thing she's ever said. And I just love that. Um, and I think, you know, television and pop culture does really educate us in a way that um, other things don't because not everybody, like we said in the beginning, is going to the TED Talks or taking, the, you know, m minoring in sociology or whatever at school. And so when there was like we talked about Ellen before, sort of that like gay boom or whatever you want to call it in the <laughs> 90s and, you know, with Will and Grace and Queer Eye and then sort of. I think that that helped the, you know, people have feel like a little more comfortable with something that they were afraid of because it was unknown to them. And that's what I think happens with people, you know, Uber drivers pick me up and they see the wheelchair. They're like, oh, because it's so unknown. But if there was, you know, if Elaine on Seinfeld had been in a wheelchair this whole time, 20 years, 30 years later, whatever it is, I think that a lot of that fear would be gone already gone you know yeah. you just need somebody an icon somebody to do it fine i'll be an icon. fine <laughs> <laughs> and comedy is the best way right i mean it's comedy the is the best way you know for it's the best pathway for this kind of thing to you know to introduce i think so because you want to lighten up the mood you don't want to yeah. we've already done you know my left foot and we've already done million dollar <laughs> baby and i'm born on the fourth of july and enough people have killed themselves in movies because they're disabled we, we've seen it i've seen more I, I i know hundreds of people in wheelchairs and i've seen it happen more people come you know unalive themselves is that how we say it now in films or than I've ever, I don't know anybody who has personally, thank God. So stop making that the only narrative. It's so annoying. Yeah. It's insulting. Yeah, well, look, gay characters <laughs> used to kill themselves all the times in movies. Like, you know, if right. there was a gay character, chances chances are they would commit suicide by the end of the movie. Like, we've moved on from that in that realm, right? Yeah. But well, we I'm just... rewatching Melrose Place right now, which is a great rewatch, everybody, if you haven't. <laughs> and um, and the one Matt, the gay character, every freaking storyline, or the I'm in season. Uh, almost a season five now, and every one of his storylines revolves around him being gay. This poor guy. Enough. <laughs> we get it. He's also like a, a doc. He's like in medical school. <laughs> We're gonna talk about that. I, don't know. I, I hope someone from the View is listening to this. Um. All right. <laughs> uh. This was great. Um. It, it's such a good pilot, and I'm counting on the three of you to not give up on this project of somehow getting Santina on our television screens. I mean, obviously not right now, but right. Uh, when things Solidarity. we get, can get back to making things. Thanks for doing um, this podcast. It's so great. Really, yeah, great. yeah. just oh, so thanks. cool that like all these people get to revisit this thing that they spent they poured their heart and souls into these pilots and. You know, and they just disappear. They just become, you know, zeros and ones on a computer. And how many of them do you do live? This would be so fun to do live. <laughs> I know we've just been sort of starting to get get back into doing some live shows. Um, and hopefully, you know, it, obviously they were all live before the pandemic. And then once we, uh, you know, it's just been a little scary like getting back into doing yeah. live shows because it's just like is anyone going to show up and mm -hmm. so you know we've we've done a couple of people have shown up so i think we're um just trying to figure out what the best uh theater is and but we're gonna we'll, we'll be doing more live ones you know for sure mm. coming up but have you ever uh, done it at ucb no no mm -mm. that probably would be a good space yeah that's like a good. Them. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> we will. We'll look into that because we're right now kind of like shopping around, trying to. You know, we used to do it at Largo, and it's just like it's intimidating to try and sell out Largo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's just finding the right size space. Yeah. But um, this was great. Thank you so much. So so yes, much yeah. fun uh, talking to you, Santina, and always a pleasure, Andrew and Lindsay talking to you guys thanks for doing the show again thanks for having thank us you.
Thank All you right, so much. All right, take care. Bye. 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 All right, I hope you enjoyed that. We're going to put a link to Santina's ass-level music video in the show notes. Watch it. It's great. Dead Pilot Society is produced by me and my co-producer, Ben Blacker, and our associate producer, Noah Finling. It is edited and mixed by Jordan Katz. If you like this show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps. Maybe tell a friend about us. You can follow us on social media to find out all the latest. We're still on Twitter at Dead Pilots pod and on instagram at dead pilot society until next time i'm andrew reich thank you for listening maximum fun a worker-owned network of artist-owned shows supported directly by you